you are listening to the Holistic Happy Hour podcast. Today, we are joined by our first ever guest, Sarah from Better Balance Health, where she dives into her experience with Lyme disease, mold, and parasites, and how they can all be interconnected. So grab your happy hour drink and tune into this insightful episode as Sarah talks all about root cause healing. And as a reminder, this podcast is intended solely for educational and informational purposes and is not intended to be a substitute for medical or professional advice. You should consult with your healthcare practitioner before starting any supplementation or making any changes to your healthcare regimen. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking to your doctor. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us today. Now, before we jump into the good stuff, why don't we kick off with our happy hour drink of the episode? Can you walk us through your happy hour drink? Yes, I have an Olipop. My favorite Olipop flavor is the strawberry vanilla. So I'm going to crack this open and I'm going to tell you why I love Olipop. So as you know, I'm a holistic health coach. Most of my time, I try to choose better alternatives. So I loved soda growing up. Pepsi was my favorite. I then moved to Coke. And then I realized how not great soda is for you a majority of the time. Now balance, right? Life is all about balance. But in order to have something a little bit more yummier than water, I drink Olipop. So Olipop is a prebiotic soda. It's gut healthy and there's a few benefits. So like I said, prebiotic, prebiotic fiber, prebiotic fiber, the benefits of it, it increases good bacteria in your gut while decreasing harmful bacteria. It can reduce occasional bloating and other digestive discomforts. And it also actually can promote regular bowel movements, especially when you're detoxing and you need your bowels to work a little bit better. That's a great benefit. And then it also can aid in the absorption of calcium and other nutrients in your body and help break down cholesterol that can help you with your heart health. Damn, what an explanation. (laughs) Yeah. So essentially it's like soda minus the bad shit, but plus like a bunch of great additives as well. For anyone who hasn't tried Olipop, like it does actually taste like soda. So if you are somebody who doesn't like drinking water, which I know a lot of people don't, and who likes something like diet soda, this is such an important switch because diet soda is so bad for your gut. And this is so good for your gut. And can we just talk about the fact that for those listening, all of our Olipops are in wine glasses or cocktail glasses. It really just elevates the experience. I feel like I'm drinking a cocktail. (laughs) I guess they've like implemented or new flavors or whatnot, like not maybe recently in the last few weeks, but maybe like the last year or so that I haven't really, I've just stuck with like my, my staples. So I haven't really branched out. I have to do that now. Well, at $3 a pop, you're like, damn, yeah. that's the commitment. <laughs> yeah, it's an investment. It commitment. <laughs> so it's funny because I went to Whole Foods Friday night with my boyfriend and I was like, oh, I have to get Olipop for the podcast. And he, we're looking for, I, I didn't know where it was in the store. And it's actually in like the refrigerated section in Whole Foods and that's it. And I was looking in like the normal soda. I guess they don't even have soda, but you know, canned carbonated beverage section. He's like, Oh, poppy. He's like, here it is. And I'm like, no, poppy's not Olipop. He's like, what's the difference? He's like, there's poppy, there's Olipop. There's, <laughs> you know, there was another one. I forget what it was called. He's like, I can't keep up. He's like, can, can you not just get a poppy? I'm like, no, I can't get a poppy. I have to get an Olipop. 
just doesn't understand. <laughs> well, and also too, I feel you. Cause I actually had to ask for help. Cause I couldn't find it either. And I didn't realize it was it. it my Whole Foods actually has its own refrigerator. All so yeah, PSA. It's in. It's by the kombucha. At least where I went. So Sarah, let's start at the beginning. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your health journey and maybe highlight if there were any pivotal moments for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I would say my functional health or holistic health journey really started in 2019. To kind of make a very long story short, I was experiencing a lot of health issues and they were just continuing to pile up. So when I graduated college, I was experiencing a lot of gastro issues. So like bloating, constipation, gas, really, really bad like pains, like gastrointestinal pains. And it was because I really just could not go to the bathroom. I was struggling um, no matter what I took. I could not go. Uh, so I started seeing a gastroenterologist and I actually went in for a colonoscopy and he had told me that everything was fine. I looked good. My blood work was fine. And that is really when things started. So that just got worse and worse and worse. And I started just to see like a PCP in my gastro frequently. I was put on a lot of prescriptions. So a acid reducer, a Linzess and Amatiza. Those are two really big prescriptions for IBSC. So I was diagnosed with IBSC, irritable bowel syndrome with chronic constipation. Although those drugs worked for me for a short amount of time, they actually made my gas and my bloating way worse. So for years and years and years, I struggled with that. And at one point in time in my health journey, I would say probably 2016, 2017, I lost so much weight. I think at one point in time, I was 103 pounds because I was eating and eating and eating and my body was not absorbing the nutrients because I had changed my diet. It was like, oh, you have IBS, like stop eating the gluten, stop eating the fried foods, stop eating things that like even vegetables that weren't cooked. They're fermenting in your gut and they're causing your issues. So I cut out dairy, all of that. Was that like a low FODMAP? Yes, low FODMAP, low acid oh my gosh, what are the other diets I've been put on? Low mold diet. And can you explain like what a low FODMAP diet looks like or like a low mold diet looks like? Yeah, so I actually didn't know there was a low mold diet, but there's apparently certain foods like cheeses, like a goat cheese or the heavily milked cheeses like mozzarella and some nuts are very heavily sprayed and or added, like there's additives. So you have like cured meats, right? That actually certain of the, like the chemicals in that curing, that casing can cause mold to grow. So it's crazy. I didn't even know a low mold diet existed, but so a low FODMAP diet is basically reducing the fermentation of certain foods in your gut. So I was, I was told that I had to stop eating broccoli, had to stop eating cauliflower, all of those vegetables that we look at as healthy and are very much pushed in a holistic or a functional diet, right. To eat because of the fiber and whatnot, I had to stop eating. So it was a very, very challenging time for me because I felt like food continually was being taken away from me. Like you can't eat this. You can't have dairy. You can't have gluten. Make sure you watch the additives. Don't be eating cold cuts. And although I was eating a lot of meats and good fat, avocado, extra virgin olive oil, I was at the lowest point in my journey in regards to weight. 
and it was not healthy, although I was eating very healthy. So I had started going to a doctor at Temple. This was like right before I kind of transitioned into holistic health. I was going to a doctor at Temple. He did extensive tests and he basically just said to me, your motility is very slow and your body is not absorbing nutrients. But nobody could tell me why my body wasn't absorbing nutrients. To give you a little bit of a background, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease in 2000, like 2000, 2001. And at that point in time, like when I was experiencing health issues in 2015, I didn't make the connection because really when I was diagnosed with Lyme, we were also treated conventionally. And I was so young at that point in time, I didn't really know that Lyme disease could kind of come back and bite you and, and kind of come out of dormancy and have symptoms. Like I thought you had Lyme, you treated it and it was gone. So yeah, I started experiencing fatigue and tiredness. And other than that weight loss, I just could not keep on weight and I was eating and eating and eating. And although I was, I wasn't keeping on weight, which wasn't a good thing. And no one could tell me why I wasn't absorbing nutrients or what was really going on. Were you still having triggers even on the low FODMAP diet? Yes. And this was the hardest part for me was I was starting to take away all sorts of food and even full food groups. And I really wasn't feeling better. Maybe I would say like the first few days or the first week, it was like, okay, yeah, like my gut isn't fermenting too much. I, I'm not seeing like that bloating as much as I did like the week prior. And then after that first week or two, it just came back full fledged. Like it was no matter what I did, it wouldn't go away. Yeah. So your story is very similar to mine as far as like the gastro stuff. I had a colonoscopy. They told me that nothing was wrong, that I didn't, I mean, I also have a gluten intolerance tied into my Hashimoto's. They told me that, um, my, you know, I didn't have uh, celiac or anything. So from the colonoscopy, you couldn't really tell that I had a gluten problem. Same thing with acid reflux. They wanted me to take Pepsid or whatever. My mom was like, hell no, you're not taking Pepsid. Cause like essentially that can have like a rebound effect when you Absolutely. do, it's a terrible thing, but yeah. So all of that. And then again, like with this, just saying that there's like low, what is it? Motility, like basically things aren't moving through you and you're not absorbing nutrients, but like no explanation or like investigation as to why. I remember I, I had like some samples of Linzess and essentially I had IBSC as well, but I feel like this is just like a, what's the word? Like fake is not the right word. I'm trying to think of the right way. Oh, almost like a made up syndrome. It's like a made up diagnosis. Like IBSC is like a, there's another problem and your, your bowels aren't moving correctly, but like, we're just going to call it this. And then here's a prescription that'll hopefully make it work better, which it really doesn't. So it is, that is so, oh my gosh, this like hits right here at my heart because I dealt with this for so long and like, I could cry thinking about it. I, there's one point in time during my health journey that I sat in front of my gastroenterologist and he looked at me and he said, Sarah, I, I understand that you're not feeling well, but there is nothing more I can do for you. Like you can come back if you want, but there is nothing more I can give you. There is no more time that I can like listen to this. I have no other suggestions. You are going to live with IBSC for the rest of your life. And your best bet is to take a prescription drug and to help it. And that is that. And I came home from that appointment so upset, so distraught, and I just cried. And I said to my mom, like, there is no way. I was at that point in time, I was 23. Like my life was just starting. And you know what I also was told was, oh, you're graduating college, right? You have the stress of, of the next steps. You have the stress of your new life. Like you need to find a job. You know, everything is kind of just causing these gut issues. And yes, does stress cause gut issues? Absolutely. But 
the way that it call had transpired and the experiences that I was going through with the GI issues, it just was not the same. It wasn't just stress. I got chills when you were saying I that. know, me too. I, I was thinking too, like back to your moment, talking to your doctor. I Normally, like you look at a lot of these people and you are like, they have to know everything. And you put so much trust in them, right? Because they went to school for this. And I don't know, I, I talk about this with my therapist, but like medicine is like religion. And like, you kind of like learn, you know, they only know Absolutely. so much because they were taught that versus, you know, other people like naturopath, tr- traditional Chinese medicine, like all of these things are, it's because that's what they learned, you know? And mm-hmm. I think having a professional medical professional tell you something like that, you, I couldn't imagine like what you were feeling, feeling like, okay, well, this is it. Was that the turning point for you to be like, okay, I have to take things into my own hands? Or did you be like, okay, I'm going to go be depressed and (laughs) accept that this is my new life. I'm going to use this example. Like, you know, when you're, have you all have either of you been in a relationship where you're like, you know, there's red flags and you know, you should leave, but you just keep going back for more. Yep. So that's really how I was. Although now I look back, that was definitely one of the turning points. It wasn't the only sole turning point. Um, It was definitely one of the first. And I just said to him, okay, like, I'm not going to come back. I did come back. The year after that, I got another colonoscopy. And probably two years after that, I got a colonoscopy. It's like a relationship like that too. Like you say, you're not going to go back. Absolutely. Right. It's like a bad relationship that, you know, just is not good for you, but you keep going back because you just don't have any other option. And then you leave feeling even worse. Like when you go see your, your ex doctor, it's like you fucked your ex. It's (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So it was definitely a turning point, but that wasn't the sole turning point. And I did not turn to functional medicine right after that. So I had seen him a few more times. I had seen my doctor at Temple. So there was a gastroenterologist that this gastroenterologist, my first one referred me to, because he just said, I can't help you anymore, but here's a number of a guy at Temple. That's great. He was great. Now this older doctor at Temple, he was great. He was in his last few years before he retired. And I will tell you, he did help me for a few years. He gave me a herb, a company called Grandma's Herbs back then that did help me with constipation. So I was going a little bit more frequently. I was taking those herbs, two bottles specifically. One was called Superlax and one was called Herbal Colon Cleanser and Tonic. And for years, I was taking those probably two or three years. They really did help me. They didn't clear my issues out, but they helped. So after then, when I stopped taking those, because I assumed that they weren't helping anymore, like my body got used to them, my issues started coming back. And that's actually when I started turning to coffee enemas. Back to your point, Yaz, in regards to like trusting a doctor, right? So We do think and believe that these individuals who went to med school, they are like the only people we can trust, right? And I do not suggest going and scrolling on TikTok and just listening to people's medical advice that they give when they may not have an MD or a credential. But I did want to make one point that as a society, we believe that like conventional medicine is the only way to go because that's what we were taught, right? That, okay, you have an ailment, you go to a licensed doctor that went to med school for eight plus years and there's no other avenues. And that is just so not true. And when I started my functional health journey, did I absolutely believe in holistic health? No, like 
did I believe 50% of it? Yes. But I did not go, go that route and think, okay, this is going to work a hundred percent for me, but I had no other option. Conventional medicine. I totally, I used every single appointment and whatnot to the best of my ability and I could not get anywhere. So I just flipped my mind and I'm like, okay, I'm going to believe in holistic health and it's going to help me. And it sure did, but I didn't believe in it because it was not pushed. It's not in, in books, right? We don't learn about it in school. The doctors we see in the doctor's office, really, they're not conventional, doc like they're conventional doctors. They're not functional doctors. So I do think as a society, we only believe, or we're taught to believe that only conventional medicine works. And that's just so not true. So I have two thoughts. First of all, in defense of conventional doctors, like they really are doing what they're taught to do. And they're like keeping us alive. Like at the end of the day, we need conventional medicine. Absolutely. There's been many times that I've needed antibiotics, like for infections that would have turned into more. When we're really sick, we're going to conventional doctors and we're grateful for them. But yep. like Sarah said, like it's not the end all be all. And people aren't even aware about functional medicine. And then on top of that, the problem is that not everyone can afford functional medicine. It's expensive. It's most of the time completely out of pocket. Insurance doesn't cover any of it. So it's essentially like going to the doctor without any insurance. So I think that it's kind of only available to people that have some sort of money of their own to put towards it. Like some people don't have money to live their day to day, like can barely afford healthy food, let alone like seek medical care that costs like high out of pocket yeah. costs. But you know what I mean? Like that's just that part. And Sarah has expressed this before. That part really upsets us like that. This isn't accessible to everyone. I mean, it really isn't. I totally agree. Jamie conventional medicine. There is a spot in the world for conventional medicine. And there is a spot in the world for functional medicine. And that is why I believe in integrative medicine, right? Where I'm just not fully hundred percent functional. And I am not fully hundred percent conventional because your functional practitioner at the end of the day, if you are having maybe experiencing like a stroke or a heart attack, right? You have to go to that emergency room and those conventional MDs, nurses, whoever they are, they are going to save your life. And we thank them for that. When I kind of speak on a functional or holistic perspective, I'm talking about, right, like parasites are a root cause of gut issues, P potentially like your fatigue, your, your um, hormone imbalances. Um, they can potentially go back to mold, parasites, Lyme. So when I talk on like loving holistic health, it's more about finding the root cause reasons of certain symptoms that you're experiencing in the body but we need conventional doctors and conventional medicine when it comes to either life-saving modalities um, or really just kind of their expertise and understanding what they learned in school. Yep. Totally. It's and so not Sarah, their fault. Yeah. And Sarah, you, so essentially what happened was you were working with a few conventional doctors to try to figure out your constipation issues. The herbs kind of helped. What like, was there a person or was there a thing that made you turn your head to holistic medicine and through whatever course you did or whatever learnings did you, were you able to like alleviate some of your symptoms? Kind of going back to the turning point question, right? You asked me when did um, things change? So in 2018, I was experiencing more of that fatigue, more gastro issues. And then I started experiencing skin issues. So I was having eczema and I was having these really bad itching spells. I had just recently moved into an apartment 
that year. Um, I never had skin issues prior. I was experiencing way more acne and eczema. And I was scratching so hard that I actually was breaking the blood vessels in my legs and my, and my arms. Cause I was scratching that hard. So I had gone to the emergency room, a local emergency room. My mom had taken me and I was just, I was, I had it. I was fed up. I was tired of crying. I was tired of laying in bed, being miserable. I was missing out on going out with my friends. I felt like I was bitter at that point in time. Um, and to me, that really was the turning point. I was like, you know, these conventional, most of my conventional doctors, although they couldn't help me at the end, they were very understanding. You know, they listened to me and they tried to do everything that they could, but they just couldn't with what they knew. There was no other avenue to go. So I actually was scrolling on social media back then. I'd stumbled across an account. Um, her name is Alec Treffers. Um, she is I believe like a holistic nutritionist, or she just at that point in time focused on good nutrition. She was into fitness and she had had, had experienced had experienced a few of her own issues. And then from there, I saw people that she followed and I stumbled upon Parsley Health, which is a great functional medicine practice that is in New York. Well, they started in New York. Now they have offices, I believe, everywhere. Um, and I just started doing my own research. Like, what is functional medicine? What's holistic health? What is natural healing? What is root cause healing? Why have I never heard of these things? And then I started searching up people, um, you know, like on websites, they have reviews. Like, you know, how did you, how did you love your, you know, doctor's visit or why, what do you love about Parsley Health? So I've started looking up those people. I found those people on social media and I just continued to do my research. And I saw that people had specific and certain issues like I was experiencing and they were able to find help and healing um, by seeing a functional medicine doctor. Was Parsley Health your first functional It was. So I started seeing them in 2019 and I did purchase a year subscription with them. I actually ended my yearly subscription early, although Parsley Health, I have all great things to say about them. You know, my doctor was attentive. My first visit with them was a two hour visit, but I needed to be there in person. Like I was not getting the results that I desired and I just wasn't healing quick enough on my timeline. Right. I don't think healing really should have a timeline, but I was so, so desperate and I just wasn't getting anywhere or as, you know, as much as I wanted to. So I ended my membership early because I found a local doctor here and a naturopath that was amazing and is amazing. I still, you know, work with them today. Parsley Health, yes, they were my first and I bowed my head down to them because they really helped me uncover the root reasons of why I was experiencing GI issues and fatigue. And without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. And before we go into kind of what you found out and like how you went about healing, can you just talk about root cause healing? Because I think a lot of times, like, I don't think a lot of people know exactly what that is and um, maybe how that differs in like conventional medicine. 
Conventional medicine is what I would say is band-aid medicine. And this is all in my own words and terms. So it's band-aid medicine, right? You go into a conventional doctor and again, like Jamie said, nothing against conventional doctors. It's just the way that they're trained. And um, you will find certain conventional doctors like my OBGYN, she is conventional, but she believes in holistic health. So when I went to her last year, she gave me some holistic and natural alternatives to some of the issues I was experiencing last year with OBGYN related issues. So um, there are conventional doctors out there that do believe in natural healing. However, conventional medicine is like a band-aid medicine, right? You go in with a symptom and most of the times a prescription is prescribed and that does help your symptoms most of the time, but functional healing or holistic healing is root cause healing. In functional medicine, there's only really a few root reasons to why you are experiencing symptoms in the body, whether that be parasites, mold exposure, Lyme disease, because then those root cause reasons cause symptoms and side effects like hormonal imbalances, autoimmune issues, skin issues, gut issues. So root cause healing is really getting to the bottom of what is off in your body, where there is a disconnect and reconnecting to then heal a hundred. I say 99 or hundred percent of the time, right. Instead of just taking a prescription for the rest of your life and dealing with the diagnosis forever. Wow. I love that. So after parsley, you went and worked with a naturopath. Correct. Yep. He's actually more of an integrative doctor. So the reason I loved my doctor so much and to my point earlier that I made is he was an MD for 30 years. So he was a conventional doctor That's the best of both worlds. Yep. So he really saw, and this is kind of in his own words, I'm not going to speak for him, but he really saw the disconnect of conventional medicine and where people were really struggling. And he's like, I don't want to just prescribe a prescription. So he actually did all of his own research. He moved from conventional medicine to functional medicine and how now he has an amazing practice that's thriving an integrative practice because although he has his MD background and he's allowed to prescribe prescriptions, he really focuses on the natural healing and the supplements and all of that. Sarah, if you're comfortable with it, can you kind of give us an idea of how much you spent like maybe the initial visits with this doctor? Because this is an MD that now has a functional degree and that that can be very pricey. And so somebody listening, they might be like, well, I don't know that I can afford that. So I'm just kind of curious how much, you know, I know you spent a lot of money and I know it was worth it, but just to give people an idea. Yeah, absolutely. So I will say I did spend all of my own money and I am not just one of those people that had the the funds at that point in time to go and rely on functional medicine. It was hard earned money. It was me moving back home with my parents and not living on my own, like all of my friends were at that point in time, because I was that desperate and really, really not well that I did so. So I'm grateful for it, but yes, it is pricey. My first year that I worked with him. So in like functional medicine, you'll hear what they call concierge programs. That's the program and or the membership that you purchase when you're working with a functional doctor. Reason being is because that concierge program usually includes, say, I'm not saying everyone, but most of them are like 10 or 15 visits, five nutrition visits or, you know, health coach visits are included in that. My first year was $2,300. 
and I got 10 visits um, with him and five visits with a holistic health coach, nutrition-based. And then the next year it went up to 2,600. All things considered, that's not that unreasonable. Like if you price it out per visit and the additional visits with the, you said, uh, nutritionalist. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's not way above average or anything. What really was so great for me was that my first visit, like I said, with Parsley was about two hours. And when I had moved to my current doctor, my first visit with them was two hours and 45 minutes. Wow. Wow. And that's the thing too, is they have the time to really allocate to you. And we're versus I go in for my physical and it's like, okay, 30 minutes up. I got to go to the next patient. You're kind of on this like assembly line versus like the naturopaths or the functional meds are very much, they allocate that time to you. And so you started working with this doctor. Are you comfortable sharing with us what came out of it and like what you learned about your body? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, like I said, right, my first visit was two hours and about 45 minutes. And the reason that struck home with me and why why it was so great was because I not only was just there for 15 minutes, but he asked me questions like, how were you born? Were you born via C-section? Were you, you, were you born via natural birth? Did you drink breast milk growing up? Because although that's a whole different topic and we could spend an hour on that, those are all things that contribute to an individual's long-term gut health. And which is why, you know, nothing against anyone who potentially cannot breastfeed or is not able, but that is why breast milk is, is so beneficial because there's something called colostrum, right? In breast milk. Um, and even if you are breastfed, that doesn't always mean that you're going to have the best thriving gut, but certain questions like that really give these functional doctors a better insight into potentially why you're having health issues. So working with him, was great and is great. I still talk with them frequently because I'm not only, you know, work trying to work with them, but also they are so knowledgeable and they have access to so much in the functional community. They helped me a ton and I cannot thank Parsley enough for getting me to the point that I am now, but my current doctor, I learned so much from them experience-wise and also just facts and um, information on who we are as people and why our body works the way it is where, you know, we're connected emotionally. We're not just connected physically and symptoms and supplements. Yes. Supplements can help heal and get rid of your symptoms, but if you're not focusing what's happening inside emotionally and up in your brain, this thing right here, you cannot just heal right from supplements solely. You can't heal what's going on in your body emotionally and or physically, potentially from supplements. So my first appointment was really just that two hours and 45 minutes was a lot of questions, right? They were gaining a lot of insight on who I was, how I was raised, what my nutrition looked like. And then I left that appointment with a list of things to do. So I was given a gut test, meaning I had to go home and take the gut test. I did get a Dutch test. So a Dutch test is for your hormones. And I was given a long list of labs. And I will tell you that first time that I went and got labs drawn, do you want to know how many vials of blood they took? 15. I've had up there. I think I've had at least like 13 and it's, yep. it's I'm like, okay, and then I'm you like, have like the lab techs judging you and you're like, can you, yeah, I know they're like, why yeah. you, we've never seen this. <laughs> how could you possibly need this much? You saw this doctor. We've kind of gotten a feel for how much it costs. You got some blood work done. What were the results of that blood work? 
Yeah. So I'm going to go test by test. So first was the gut test. And I had previously done a gut test with parsley and it did show that I had a small parasite, blastocystis hominis. Not sure if you ever heard of it. I did not, but apparently that specific parasite is actually a parasite that is tested in conventional stool tests. So Jamie, I don't know if you can speak to this, but when you went to your first colonoscopy, I was given a conventional stool test that I actually sent in to Quest or LabCorp and they tested, I believe it was like five things. Okay. If you get a functional gut test, you're talking like three to four pages of results. It's incredible. So my gut test showed a few different things. I had low butyrate, which is butyrate is actually a lining. It's an enzyme in your gut that helps seal and heal your gut lining. So when you're digesting food, if you don't have that gut lining, that mucosa, that's very thick, the food that you eat can actually leach into those crevices and openings in your gut lining. And that's what causes histamine. So a release of histamine. So that's actually like there's food, I'm not saying that food is going into your bloodstream, but think of it that way. So food is exiting these little holes in your gut that shouldn't be there. And that is what causes inflammation. Often referred to as intestinal permeability. Yep. Or leaky gut. Exactly. I had low butyrate, which was interesting. Never knew what butyrate was, never heard of it, right? I was just told like, okay, you did a stool test. You have no parasites. You're good to go. That's what my conventional doctors would tell me. And then, yes, I was diagnosed with that blastocystis hominis parasite, which I actually did take a pharmaceutical drug for. I took ivermectin. Um, I looked back on my health history and I took ivermectin twice a day for 14 days. And I was told that that would help. But then there was other things have you ever heard of secretory IgA or anti-glidian? I've heard of like the IgAs as far as like your immune response of your gut. Correct. So the immune response of my gut was in the red. So you have like your green section, your yellow section, and your red section, which basically was telling me that everything I was eating, my body was reacting to. My immune system was so suppressed, which I did not know in the past, right? Working with a conventional doctor, my immune system wasn't something we ever focused on. In functional health, your immune system is actually like one of the base level items that you need to work on because that is how, if you don't have a good immune system, that's how you can potentially get Lyme. You can be more affected by mold exposure. You can have food allergies or things that other individuals don't have. So an immune response is super, super, super important, whether that be in your gut or just in your body. Were these tests all done at once or these tests over time? Was the gut test first? Yeah. So I focused on the gut test first, just because your Dutch test actually has to be done at a certain point in time in your cycle. And I just remember like, I wanted to do everything at once. I was like full steam ahead. I don't give a crap how much money like I need to spend. There is just, there was just a point in time in my journey where I was so desperate. Like I was, I had moved back home. I, I had lived with my best friend at the time and I had moved back home in September of 2019. And my mom, you could ask my mom to this day. She remembers that September, I think I had gotten out of bed like two or three times. I was in my pajamas for weeks on end. I wasn't, I, I could barely, I would go to work and I would come home and get right back in bed. Like I was miserable. I was not feeling well. I was so fatigued. I could barely eat anything. There was a point in time where I was eating only five things. It was like cooked chicken with no seasonings, berries because they were the lowest sugar. I was eating sweet potatoes because 
you know, they said sweet potatoes were good for me at that point in time. Now, just because something's good for you or it's said that it's good for you doesn't mean that your body can handle it, but I was eating it. And like white rice, that was really it. Like I wasn't eating vegetables. I had gotten, I'd taken vegetables out of my diet fully. So I was just so, I was so, so desperate. Although I was really probably, I would say mostly gluten-free, right? Like I, I was mostly gluten-free when all of these issues started occurring, but there was point in times where like, I loved Mediterranean food. So like when I went to a Mediterranean restaurant or like a Greek restaurant, I was eating the pita. Um, and like, I never had gluten issues growing up. I'm Italian, always ate the pasta, always ate the sausage and the meatballs. Um, I really didn't have issues growing up with gluten, but I had seen online and social media, like gluten, 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 gluten's inflammatory, gluten's this, gluten's that. So I kind of, by my own sense of direction, took out gluten a lot, but not fully. I started like eating Ezekiel bread and, and things like that, the healthier alternatives, but I was still seeing issues. And up until, this is crazy, up until last year, I was told that I had no gluten intolerance. I had no like allergy, nothing. I was actually diagnosed like borderline celiac last year. And the reason I say borderline is because there's certain numbers on a gut test, a functional gut test that you're diagnosed with celiac. I was never, I was told that I never had a gluten issue. They did the biopsy from the colonoscopies that I had four colonoscopies. I got the blood work. Now I can't remember. I'd have to look back. There's a certain, um, there's certain markers in your blood that they can test for a gluten allergy. None of that came back that I had a gluten allergy. It wasn't until last year that my gut test finally registered that I had a very, very high secretory IgA and anti-glidian markers, which basically mimic celiac disease. Wow. And what was that moment like for you reading that? It's so funny because like I go back and I, I remember finding out, I called my mom right away. My poor mother, she like, she has been so great and so supportive throughout the, all of this, but she was at work and I was, I called her and I was like, do you believe it? I have celiac. Like I literally have celiac. Like I, I told you these people, they never believe me. Like I told you. Yeah. So I also never once was tested positive for gluten intolerance and I have come off my thyroid medicine completely after stopping gluten. So, I mean, like no tests show that if I wasn't as invested in like finding solutions and like trying things on my own, like technically, you know, if somebody else looked at it, they'd be like, well, I don't have to stop eating gluten because I'm fine. But obviously like the way that you feel, you can tell, but it's just blew my mind too, that not one single test that I have done, which I have not done the full functional stool test, but none of the conventional tests showed it. You shouldn't do it either. Genova diagnostics, um, or a GI map. Now I'd have to look and see what company that is, but both of those are fabulous. Well, and too, like similar to both of you, like I, with my health issues and my brain fog and everything, they put me on Adderall. And I found like the days that I ate more gluten, I actually would fall asleep. And then I was like, oh, maybe I should like experiment with this. And I did a month without gluten and I was off all my ADHD medication. And I think it's just like really it's tough because it's like, I did a celiac test. It was actually funny in my 23 and me, which I know we take with a grain of salt, but it did say I had a gene for celiac disease. And then I went in to get tested and it came back negative. But then I also had to learn that like, you have to have eaten gluten within a specific right. time frame. So that's why my mind weren't showing either exactly. because I had cut it out and then I wasn't having antibodies. 
Yeah. And that's probably how Sarah showed up too. Cause she was like inflamed from the gluten. Ding, so ding, I was ding. like, I was like, I just took this test that came back negative and I paid for it, but I obviously didn't eat. So I purposely, before my last GI test, I made sure to have like some soy sauce that had wheat in it. So hopefully we, we find out something there, but just, it's funny how we all kind of went through something similar with the gluten or gluten-free girlies are here. Yes. <laughs> like, that was such a good point. Yes. Cause you are exactly right. And Jamie, when you don't eat, and I did not find this out from a conventional doctor. I found this out from my functional doctor. When you are off of gluten for 30 days or more, or you don't have any type of cross-contamination, your body actually doesn't register. So you got your test results back. What was like the next step between you and your doctor in terms of healing? Back when I started in the functional space, I was on probably 30 to 32 supplements a day. I was spending over a thousand dollars a month on Before doctor number two before doctor number two. Correct. And that is why I had ended my membership early because I was spending all of this money on a membership. I was spending all of this money on supplementation and I was just not getting where I thought I needed to be in order to feel healthier and honestly be able to live life again. The best way I can kind of describe like my move from doctor one to doctor two is because my doctor two, my current doctor looked at me in that first appointment and said, we do not recommend more than taking more than five supplements at one point in time. And like literally right there, talk about like a turning point or like a, you know, a spark went off in my head. Like this is the doctor I need to be working with five supplements. I was taking 30 and they weren't doing anything for me. So this is just a great way for me to anybody who's listening for me to say over supplementing is not going to heal you quicker. Although we want it to, it is not going to, and actually over supplementing can be way more dangerous for your body than it is to just take one, two, three, four, five supplements at a time. And you have five. Some people may say, wow, five supplements is a lot. But when you come from taking 30 to 32 supplements a day, spending over a thousand dollars a month, just on pills, five was nothing to me. And honestly, you know, the five supplements I was taking at that point in time, they were all for different things. They were, one was to help my liver or sorry, two were to help my liver function properly. One was kidney and gallbladder support. One was a binder and one was just an overall anti-inflammatory to help my body kind of process the um, histamines and inflammation that it was, that it was experiencing during the depths of my healing. Quick question on that histamine. One of the only things that helped me with my gut was it's called mega IgG. It's a immune. Yep. Can you, do you Absolutely. know the word? It's a, it's yes. a, it's essentially, I, I think what it's doing is it's giving your body the, that immune response that it needs. Like you're supplementing with that immune response that you don't have naturally. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. So it's called an immunoglobulin IG. That's what I kind of thought it was, but I was like, I don't know if I immunoglobulin IgG, right? Correct. So that was one of the only things that helped me. And so obviously I have a low gut immune response, which is a problem. On top of that, one of my major symptoms throughout the years, along with my gut issues is congestion. Is that something that you suffer with? Because I, my boyfriend has compared me to a, what do you compare me to? Like a, like a pug because I'm, and my friends, like I'm, I'm constantly congested and, and reacting to my food. And like, sometimes I will, it happens with wine a lot. I'll have a glass of wine and, and I don't drink wine much anymore at all because I don't really like my reaction to it again, grapes, they're, they're not organic. Like wine is kind of 
can be full of garbage, but that's a side note, but yeah, constantly getting congested. And so I was just curious about your experience with that. And I, I had been reading more about how that has to do with histamines and that can relate back to the gut. Correct. Yeah. So I'm going to go through every single thing that you just said there. We're going to break it down. So there's a few different IGs in our body. We have IgA, we have IgE, we have IgG. Now, like I said, I'm not a practitioner. So, you know, this is just my experience. Histamines are reactive in your body when your body is experiencing something or digesting something or environmentally near something that your body doesn't like, right? So kind of just breaking it, uh, breaking down an autoimmune condition. An autoimmune condition is your body reacting to something and basically fighting itself. You're giving me something, you're around something, you're eating something that I don't like. Yep. So IgG, it can be very, very healing to your, your gut. So when you take these powders or these capsules in that, that specific supplement, there's immunoglobulins, there's sometimes bovine, which is very healing to the gut lining. So for anybody who has leaky gut or who experiences gut issues, however, I will tell you, there are some times where people drink bone broth, which is supposed to be very healing to the gut. Bone broth is not something I recommend to my clients or my family members or friends right off of the bat. And the reason I will tell you that is this, back to your point of histamines. If you are drinking bone broth and or like a coconut water or something with pre or probiotics and you have gut issues and are dealing with high histamines, drinking that bone broth is actually going to do the complete opposite of what it's telling you that it's going to do. Because when you have a histamine or an allergy or an autoimmune condition, and this is specific to the person, right? It's not everyone who has an autoimmune condition reacts to bone broth. I was told to drink bone broth and take these IgG supplements for a very long time. And my gut could not handle it. And I was actually doing the complete opposite of what it needed to do. So that is why I always say test and never guess. Don't just see something online, right? We're all guilty of it. I am. Do you know how much money I spent just seeing things online before I saw a functional practitioner because I was so desperate to heal? It is so important that you test and never guess and make sure you understand how your body is processing, reacting, either it be blood work, gut test, uh, you know, hormone test before you take something. Because that IgG, although it could be extremely healing to one individual, if your gut is in, in a state of an inflammatory response and reacting to every single thing that you give it, anything that you give it really isn't going to work until you heal that root cause, whether that be mold exposure, parasites, um, leaky gut, and whatnot. Can I just ask really quick, um, what about the bone broth? if you know specifically, can be maybe irritating or not sit well with somebody with gut issues? Yeah. So the enzymes in the bone broth, when they ferment in your gut, right? If you have an imbalance of gut micro, microbiota, I try to use the good term, not just like microbiome, your microbiota, if you have way more bad bacteria than good bacteria, that bone broth sitting in your gut is only going to cause it to churn more and is not going to help heal your gut lining if you have this immense amount of bad bacteria in your gut. I like that microbiota. My, right, microbiota. microbiota. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Italian flair. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to your story, Sarah. And I want to hear about your Lyme disease diagnosis, finding out that your family had it. Just kind of give us the background there. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my Lyme disease diagnosis came first. Like I said, this came in 2000 and 2001. I was in fourth grade. You may not believe it. You may or may not believe it, but my whole entire family was diagnosed with Lyme disease at the exact same time. Now, did we all get it at the exact same time? I don't know. We could not trace it back. We were in Aruba, my, my whole family. So my mom, my dad, my sisters, five of us, I have two sisters, my mom, my dad, the three of us. And then my grandparents actually went with us. And that Unfortunately, that trip led to a lot of mosquito bites. It was very humid in Aruba. I grew up going to Aruba every single summer. I was very fortunate. So we had been eaten alive by mosquitoes during that trip. And then months, you know, after coming back for the months after that, my mom was experiencing a ton of dizziness. She unfortunately was walking down a flight of stairs. She experienced a ton of dizziness and she actually fell. She tripped and fell and passed out. She was knocked unconscious and they had called my dad, when he was at home, my dad traveled a lot growing up. Um, I was young. So my sisters are 10 years, I'm 10 years from my oldest sister, eight years from my middle sister. So I'm the youngest. So my sisters really kind of like were there when my mom was gone or when there, when my dad was gone. I remember very, very, very vividly. We got the call that my mom was being sent to the emergency room. She had tripped and fallen. And in that visit, my mom had got a ton of blood work because they were trying to figure out why she was dizzy and also what led to her, you know, tripping. Um, if she had an imbalance, you know, some type of nutrient deficiency or mineral deficiency or whatever it was. Um, and they found that she had a positive Western blot. So from there, my mom got us all tested. It was normal testing through Quest Diagnostics, you know, Quest and LabCorp are the very well-known conventional lab diagnoses. So we went and got all of our blood work and all of us, all seven of us had a positive Western blot. Now, not all of us had the same strain of Lyme disease. Borrelia is the main Lyme bacteria. And then there's a Babesia and Bartonella. There's a lot of other strains too, that are kind of connected to Lyme, but we all had different versions of Lyme disease at that point in time. My diagnosis was heavily on the Bartonella bacteria. I did have Babesia. My sisters, they did not have Bartonella. Bartonella, my, my, actually my oldest sister later on in life, when she got retested for Lyme, when she was experiencing, she has Sjogren's disease. So she has an autoimmune condition. She had a positive Bartonella strain a few years ago, two years ago, she goes to Johns Hopkins and they run actually pretty extensive blood work there. She has a few doctors there that she still sees. So the diagnosis was wild. It was crazy. And we were seen conventionally for three years. There was a year there. My, my mom was bedridden. She could not get in the car. She could not drive. She was having multiple panic attacks. My sister, my oldest sister had gone off to college and she really didn't have any, you know, major issues. And then all these years later, she was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Uh, because the Lyme disease just wasn't treated to its full ability and it came out of dormancy. And I think the misconception is that Lyme cannot really be healed. And I want to say by statistics, I really don't know. I don't go by statistics or facts a lot of the time because there was a lot of things I was told that I couldn't fix and I was able to. So I don't always go just by the book. But the way that we found out we had Lyme disease was crazy and uh, we were treated conventionally. Did it work? Back then it did, but here we are all these years later and two out of my three sisters have had a reoccurrence of Lyme disease. There is a big misconception that Lyme disease comes from just ticks and you got them from mosquitoes. How do people normally get Lyme and like, what does contracting it look like? 
Yeah. So I think back in 2000, at least from what I can remember, because like I said, it was in the fourth grade. Um, Lyme disease really wasn't as well known. Like I believe it was really up like in Boston, Connecticut, that area where you were seeing Lyme disease be a little bit more frequent and really where it was like more treated. So I, as a two-year-old, I had a bullseye on my thigh, my right thigh. My mom didn't know what it was. She took me to the pediatrician and he was like, oh, it looks like a tick bite. But when you don't have the tick, you can't send it in for testing, right? So that's why I always say, if you ever get bitten by a tick and you have the tick, send that damn tick in. Do not just like throw it out or crush it. Don't burn it, send it in. There's a few different companies. I don't know the names of, off the top of my head. My sister actually found a tick on my nephew last year. She sent, she sent it in and that tick had nothing. So thank God that tick had no Lyme disease bacteria in it. But yes, it is a very common misconception that you can only get mosquito or sorry, you can only get Lyme disease from tick bites. You, you cannot, you can't just get it from that. You can get it from mosquitoes. And the reason we were told and believe the way we feel or why we feel we got Lyme disease from that trip is just because we were all there. Mm -hmm. And Lyme disease is hereditary. So when you're giving birth to a child, that child like technically has, if you still have dormant Lyme disease bacteria in you, the child technically has it from you being, from it being in your womb. So yes, there's, is there a way that my grandmother had it all these years ago? And then my mom contracted it from being in the womb and then we contracted it. Absolutely. But then how does that explain my dad and my grandfather having it? So mm -hmm. we just assume we don't know because we weren't bitten by ticks, but we were all there on that um, vacation and we all had gotten Lyme disease after that. Wow. How do you go about healing Lyme disease in like a functional sense? Yeah. So Lyme disease is actually viewed as a parasite in functional medicine. Oh. So I don't know if you've ever, you know, kind of dug deep into these tests of how parasites are tested. So when they come out of you, if you do a parasite cleanse, they are dead. There are people that have sent in these parasites and these parasites have actually been tested. And by parasites, I mean like little microscopic parasites you can see. I'm kind of referring to like the worms, the worms that come out of you that are parasites. There has been studies that have shown that some of these parasites have actually had cancer in them, have had Lyme disease in them and have had mold in them. And when they've been removed from the body, that mold or Lyme diagnosis is actually not there anymore. So that is not the case with me. I have done a, like a very extensive parasite cleanse and I still had Bartonella bacteria. Bartonella is the hardest strain of Lyme disease to treat and to get rid of. And Bartonella heavily attacks your gut microbiome and your GI tract. Wow. So for people listening, are there certain like symptoms that you should look out for to that maybe indicate that you could have Lyme disease? Yeah. So mold exposure and Lyme disease, the symptoms of both of them are, they overlap. So I always say that's why tests never guess. Like you can hear something on the internet and be like, oh my God, I have that because I have every single symptoms. That is not true. That is not always the case, but I will say a lot of the time with Lyme disease, whether it be a Borrelia bacteria, a Bartonella bacteria, or a Babesia bacteria, a lot of it is fatigue very, very heavy, heavy on the fatigue brain fog, or so back in fourth grade, I was struggling. I was, I was not always like a great 
school student. Like I didn't love learning, didn't love reading. I struggled. I struggled with reading. And in fourth grade, I was actually failing all of my classes. Like my fourth grade teacher, who was a very good family friend of mine, she had to call my parents and be like, Sarah is struggling in school. She could not, she cannot focus. She is all over the place. She's distracted. And months after that, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease. I could not focus. I had a ton at that point in time, I was dealing with fatigue and I just had a ton of issues. Like I didn't know why I couldn't focus. I didn't know why I couldn't retain information, why I felt like at, in, at fourth grade, I had brain fog and I couldn't re regurgitate the sentence that I just read in a book that we needed for, you know, like language arts, right? You were given a book and it was like, okay, here's the test. I could not remember what I just read. Wow. Can you get tested for parasites and mold? And what does that look like? A lot of these functional gut tests, they will, they will test for parasites. The thing with parasites is that they're very sneaky. They're very small. And you could give in a gut sample of your stool that doesn't have a parasite in it, but you so mm -hmm. happen to throw out the part of your stool that has a microscopic parasite in it. So that is a lot of the time why parasites get missed. And also parasites like worms, they hide. So they hide in the lining of your colon. They hide in the ducts of your liver. They hide in your brain. They hide in your gallbladder. They hide in your body because they want to stay there. It's a warm, it's a cozy place. Your body, you give it food, you give it water, you give it sugar. Parasites hide because they don't want to be killed. So that is why when you're doing a parasite cleanse, it cannot just be two weeks, a month, two months. A lot of the time, the minimum requirement for a parasite cleanse is three months. One, because you're going through a few full moons. In a full moon, your melatonin levels drop and your serotonin levels increase. Parasites mm -hmm. are most active during a full moon. So you need to consistently feed your body with these parasite killing herbs in order to make sure you're grabbing onto all of them. So Sarah, what I want to know is a little bit more about you and what makes you, you. So is there, was there like a moment from like maybe your childhood or something that somebody said to you or an experience that kind of made you have like the personality traits that you have today or decide to get into functional health? Yeah. I love this question so much because I think about this frequently. I will tell you growing up, I never really had a passion. Like my parents, my mom, and my dad put me and my two siblings into dance at a very early age. I was about two and a half, you know, just kind of stood up there in our little, little pretty costumes and like strolled around. And that's, that was what it was. And then I grew up dancing and I really thought like that was a hobby of mine. And that was like my personality trait. I really struggled with my identity now looking back for so many years. Although in the beginning of my healing journey, it was extremely a bitter time and very challenging and hard time for me. It turned me into who I am today. And this is a question that makes me super emotional because I have been through so much and I used to be so bitter. And it has made me the person I am today because I'm so grateful for the experiences because I can not only help myself and really allow myself to be the person that I've always wanted to be. And that's somebody who loves themselves, you know, who gets to spend time with friends and family. Um, but I just, I didn't know who I was. I never knew who I was. So going through this, I've found my personality. I've found things that I love to do. I found this girl inside of me that I just never knew existed. Do you think that like, you know, going through those dark times that kind of forced you to like have some self-reflection made you realize who you were? 
Absolutely. Because although healing is not a hobby by any means, um, I didn't have a hobby, right? Like I didn't have a hobby growing up and I had two of my best friends, like to this day from high school, they always knew what they wanted to do. They're like, I want to be a teacher. I want to be this. And I'm like, what the hell do I want to be? Like, I don't know. You know, I went to college and my sophomore year, this is a very vivid memory. My sophomore year, my parents came up for parents weekend and they both sat me down and they were like, you need to figure out what you want to do because this is the deadline. Like you have no more time to think you need to figure out what degree you want and what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I'm like, excuse me. Um, I'm 20 years old. Like, I don't know what the hell I want to do with the rest of my life. And that's why I went into economics. So I'm an economics major. I graduated with an economics degree and with a business concentration because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. I had no passions, like other than growing up dancing, I was like, what is life reflecting on these years and really kind of coming into the middle of 2023, heading into 2024, reflecting on my healing journey. The reason this happened to me is because it didn't happen to me it happened for me. And it happened for me to find myself, for me to help others, and for me to be the best version of me that I've always wanted to be and always wanted to find inside of me. I'm like crying. That made me emotional. I'm sorry. No, because I, I can relate. And I think a lot of people out there can relate to that and like having kind of sort of an identity crisis and that 100% I'm there with you. I heard this quote recently, Andrew, I don't know why he keeps watching this, but there's this like Jimmy V. So it was this guy in the sports world. He had a terminal illness. He knew he was going to die in a matter of months. And they at like some award ceremony where they give out stuff to sports awards to sports players. He came up and gave a speech. And now every year they have people in the sports world who have terminal illness come up and give a speech. And one thing that he said was make your mass your masterpiece. And I love that because I think for me, at least I thought it needed to be this like linear line. Mm-hmm. I had, it felt like I had a new exactly what I wanted. And I feel you like the comparison of me versus other people. I felt so behind. It wasn't until like, I started going through all this horrible shit, whether it was, you know, stuff I went through in college, my healing journey, et cetera. I, I just was like, why is this keep happening to me? And I've realized back to your point of it happening for me. Like Mm -hmm. if I didn't have all that experience, like we would not be sitting here right now. None of us would. It wasn't for Jamie's experience with everything she's gone through, every life decision she made. Same with you, Sarah. Like we would not be sitting on the zoom call right now. And I think, you know, it's always like looking back, like everything makes so, so much much sense. sense, but it's in the moment when you are like in the trenches and you were like, please stop raining on me. Stop bombing me like those are the moments that kind of build you up for for the moments like these so thank you like so much for just sharing that and I think that relates so much with not only Jamie and I but like people listening is the sense of getting out of that gutter and looking back and be like wow if I did not if I was not in that situation I would have not found this deeper love for myself for what I love to do for maybe helping Helping people who were in the same gutter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I think just to that point, you know, like life is so precious and we only have one of them, right? Whether you believe in reincarnation or whatever you believe in, right. But we only have one of them. Like we're in our physical body right now. And I just remember before all of this, like I used to wake up and just be like, okay, I'm going to work. Okay. I'm coming back. Okay. I'm going to the gym. Okay. Doing it all over again and waking up and 
Although that is probably what a lot of the majority of the world does, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just, I remember vividly, like I'm just going, waking up and doing the same thing over and over and over again. And now it happened for me. So I could find myself, I could help myself and I could help others that experienced and, or are experiencing something very similar to me where you searched and searched and searched and searched for years and years and years to find answers and you just couldn't. I was kind of having some deep thoughts on mortality recently and like how it's kind of this like dark but beautiful thing because it forces you to like, you have only a set amount of time. And so within that period of time, you you have a choice to either follow your passions, do what you're meant to do, or you can just lather, rinse, repeat and and do the same thing every day. It's it's weird because mortality is like scary and I'm like, oh, I don't want to die. But like, if you just had forever, like I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't be as bold to like try something new or like create a community. Like this is what life is all about, really. I love what you said, Jamie, of like, this is not forever. And, and you as well, Sarah, like we have to make the most out of it and we have to make these bold moves and we have to like put ourselves out there and fail and like win mm-hmm. and, and versus just like you said, what is it? Lather, rinse, repeat. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Sarah, are there any daily rituals or habits that you do for your well-being that you just can't go a day without? Yeah, absolutely. I love this. I will say I'm not perfect. So there are some days where I just don't get to it. But my daily rituals, I would say that really make a huge difference in my health is getting morning sunlight and evening sunlight. And I say morning sunlight, as soon as you get up, get that sunlight directly into your eyeballs for 10 minutes. Okay. And before you go to bed, as the sun is setting, and now this is going to change for us people who, you know, go through daylight savings time and and whatnot, because I know there's a few States that don't do that, which is crazy to me, but this is going to change. Right. So like in the winter, my evening sunlight is like at four o'clock where in the summer, my evening sunlight is at nine o'clock. I find when I don't get that morning sunlight and I don't get out in the evening, right before the sun goes down, my sleep isn't as great. Now, after parasite cleansing, my sleep has been incredible, but I will tell you the days that I do have less REM sleep are the days that I don't get out in the morning to get that morning sun. Wow. So no sunglasses, no sunglasses, no sunscreen for 10 minutes, sun directly in your eyeballs. I will say too, if I am out in the sun in the morning and there's no one around me, I will lift up my shirt right under my boobs and get the sun directly on my gut, like on my stomach. There are studies that show the sunlight that is directly on your gut, like that sun, the sun's rays can actually kill bad bacteria in your gut quicker and parasites that are living in your gut. If you get sun directly on your stomach. That's amazing. Wow. Isn't that, that's just amazing. The power of the sun. And I think too, for me, like I always wear my sunglasses and then I always put sunscreen on because I'm white and freckly. But I've been learning about the power of even just like 10 minutes a day, none of sun protection and just getting the vitamin D, getting the sun, circadian rhythm, all that good stuff. Correct. I'm going to go sit next to the water this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. My belly, my my belly out. Yeah. So sun directly (laughs) like on you. Cause like, although, you know, whatever I do wear a bikini and, um, I was on vacation, you know, not only do you feel great cause you're not stressed really, but I was on vacation back in June. Um, even when I was kind of experiencing like some other GI issues, I started GI synergy back then. And I swear I, my stomach was like flat. I had no issues. I was eating out every single night because I was in the sun all day long. Wow. 
I'm telling you, I think for so long, kind of similar to like fats, like, I think we just associate like the sun is like, yeah, which obviously it has its moments. It can cause, you know, sun damage, cancer, et cetera, but there are healthy doses. So I think it's, that's awesome. And I can't wait to learn more about that study. Yeah. So I think this is saying that you guys need to move to Florida. <laughs> yeah. We'll come visit you. Girls trip. <laughs> There are people like big name doctors in the functional community, all the way down to people like me who move either being completely remotely, right? Like in the middle of Montana or whatnot and, or live by a beach because nature is healing. And when you ground constantly, you are grounding out those negative ions in your body and you are turning them into positive. And for those who don't know, grounding is like your bare feet on earth, um, or I think you could do it through your hands too. Yep. I think skin with in contact. Yeah, with connection. yeah connection to the earth, to your hands, your feet. Yeah. And like, so you won't, wouldn't get that in your house. Like you've got tile or carpet or whatever type of flooring, yeah. like that puts a barrier in between the earth and your, would call it your, your body. Ions, your body. Your- yeah. <laughs> yep. But yeah. And it's funny you say that because my functional doctor or my naturopath is in San Diego. And I also did learn too that water hitting other water, like a waterfall or waves in an ocean actually releases some kind of, I don't know if it's like positive ions. I don't know what they are, but essentially it's like a very calming effect on the body. They say that mixed with the sand. That's why like surfers are usually like really lax and go with the flow. They probably smoke a bunch of weed too, but like on top of that, it's like very grounding. You never see like a stressed out surfer. So Sounds like a unless there's a shark. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Trying to make and my way there. Seriously. And they, I did just recently here in like the last six months that when our eyes see blue sky, like any type of blue, because blue, the color blue um, is associated with calmness and relaxation. So anytime our eyes see the color blue, our body gets into a rest and digest state. Ooh. I also heard that with red and it makes you hungry huh? or like, red. Makes yep. you- well, red, cause right. The red light, like red light is, is healing as well, but red light is healing more so on like a cellular level. Cause red light gets directly through your skin. And that's why, like, when you go into a sauna, like my infrared sauna, right. It has, it has red light because red light and infrared can see through your skin in a good way and hit directly to your cells. That's why red light is so healing for the folks listening, how can they follow you, follow you along your journey? Can they find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm on TikTok as gluten-free Sarah. I'm still working on that social media presence. I think, you know, I've, I also, even as a human being, but as a health coach, like I do have a little bit of a stage fright. So I'm working past that like camera shyness and, and really trying my best to form videos, um, to be as helpful as possible to people without like dragging things out and, or providing medical advice. Um, so yeah, I am on TikTok right now. That's my biggest social media presence. Perfect. And for the folks that might want to work with you regarding parasites, mold, Lyme disease, and everything else under the umbrella, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, I would say like my, my TikTok, right. My messages come through there or, um, they can email me at better balance HW at gmail.com. That is my work email and they can connect with me there. And then we can set up a time to do a call or whatnot. Perfect. That sounds awesome to wrap up. I know we, we always end with a journal prompt and this time you came with one. 
do you want to tell everyone your journal prompt for us to dive into? Yeah, sure. So I think the reason I felt like I wanted to do this journal prompt was because it was a very big part of my journey. So my journal prompt today was how am I alike or similar to women of my age, which twenties, thirties, early forties, whichever you want to say, I am in my early thirties and how am I different? I'm going to start with how am I similar? I would say I'm similar in the sense that I still want to have fun, right? I still want to experience life. I want to travel. I want to have fun with my friends. But the difference and where I differ is that, and I want to preface this by this is not like an attack on anyone or an attack on, you know, choices that people make. This is just specific to me. So where I differ is that I focus I wake up every day and focus on health and wellness. It is ingrained in me. It is a hobby. And it's also my lifestyle now. It is just a lifestyle I follow. But where I, you know, kind of going back to the similarity of wanting to have fun, my fun looks different now. I still want to go out and have fun and, you know, go out to dinner or go get a drink per se. But I am basically, I'm alcohol free. I've been alcohol free for many years. Will I have a sip of wine? Absolutely. Will I try, you know, my parents my mom's cocktail. Yes. But I gave, and I say, I gave up alcohol in 2020 when I was very like not well. And I was like feeling very, very confused of what was going on with me. And I just, I cut everything cold Turkey. I cut out caffeine. I cut out alcohol. I'm still, I would say to this day, basically sober. So that's where I differ. You know, I want to go out and I want to have fun and I want to enjoy life, but I go sober and I love being sober. You know, I, it, it, it it works for me. I think in the beginning it was a little uncomfortable. Like people would say to me, why aren't you drinking? I would go out to a work event. Like, do you want to know, you want to drink of alcohol? No, I don't want to drink alcohol, but I'll just have like a sparkling water. I love that. Especially on the sober topic. Like I know for me, like how I'm similar to other women, like I want to travel. I want to you know, eventually have a family and I want to just have fun. And I think I'm at this point in my life where I'm like, okay, some of my friends are going out and partying. Some of my friends are settling down. I'm in this weird in-between. Yeah. Um, but I do feel you in the way of being like different for me. It's like, I, I always have friends that are like, oh, let's go for a run or let's do the cycling class. And because I have so many adrenal problems, it's always like, I can't, like, I can't even like do a short jog or else I'm just down for a week, brain fog and just inability to concentrate. It sucks. Cause I want to be a healthy, you know, 26 year old. And I want to be like playing sports and doing fun things. And it's, I think kind of accepting the fact that like, I have to adjust my lifestyle and it's not always going to fit in with people my age. And even though I would love to do those things, like kind of picking lifestyle choices that are going to just have me feeling in a good headspace. And even though it takes a while and the healing takes a while and what have you, but it's tough and it's tough to not feel envious and angry and bitter and all of that, but just kind of each day is its own roller coaster. And Jamie, for you, what how would you say in your lifestyle is different or the same as people your age? Oh, that's such a good question because this is something I feel a lot. I mean, I think we can all agree, like from a general sense, like we're kind of old souls. And so I feel like a lot of times in my life, I've felt that I don't really fit in with people my age. Uh, I hang out with people that are older than me. You know, Yaz is dating someone that's a lot older than her. Sarah kind of seems to give us the same vibes, but 
that can feel in itself kind of isolating. And I think this lifestyle that we're kind of taking on, you know, being very health conscious and like kind of making our health a priority is not the norm. And so you kind of feel like alone in that process. And like, you know, what I want to do versus what the average person my age wants to do, like on a Friday night, just doesn't really align. So if you are on this journey... I just reminded myself of the fact Jamie like goes to bed every night with her blue light glasses and her boyfriend, <laughs> wanted to watch, her boyfriend wanted to watch Game of Thrones and she didn't have her blue light glasses. So she wore sunglasses. <laughs> I got my son. That show I, is already so, so that dark. Is so right. funny. I was like, I, it was hurting my eyes. Once you start being conscious of these things, I'm like this is hurting my eyes. Um, and my good friends. And like, we talked about this earlier, like my good friends know and understand that like, this is something that I want to do. And anyone who like tries to like stop you from doing that or makes you feel bad or weird for doing that just isn't a good friend. So yeah. So I, I don't know. I was reflecting on that recently too. Just like how I will go to an event. I like, I'll go to a networking event at work. I don't click with the majority of people and I don't click with the majority of people my age, but when I do click with somebody, it seems to be a deeper connection. And I also think too, the fact that like us three have very similar journeys, Jamie and I met literally like less than six months ago and we still haven't met in person, but we literally, I feel like we voice know every day. We talk every day. We're like best friends now. And I think it's just because we were in this state of feeling so isolated and so alone. And like, honestly, I felt crazy. And to meet someone else who had the exact same experience, even though you have different, you know like autoimmune disease and things like that. I feel like overall the theme, I felt like you understood me. And I feel like even to Sarah with talking to you these past few weeks and learning more about your journey and what that's looked like. I think it just almost makes you like throw yourself into it more because you do feel understood and heard and validated. And I think that is why I think it's been so hard to sometimes (laughs) match that with other people who I work with and what have you. Yeah. I think that the three of us could talk for like, I know, hours. I know. <laughs> I mean, we have been talking for hours. I'm like, after but, this, we're going to have to debrief. Yeah. But I was going to say before we close off, Sarah, is there anything else that you would want our audience to know or anything else that maybe we, a topic we haven't gotten to? We didn't touch a lot on mold exposure, but there's one thing that I put in, in regards to mold exposure, mold exposure is real. It happens. It affects 70% of people in the United States, over 55% of the homes in the United States are moldy. If you have a certain gene, certain genes in your body, right? You can't always detox mold like other people can. So there are certain people that are unaffected by mold and there are some people that are. So if for some reason you are listening and you just recently moved and you are feeling like your health has been declining ever since you made that move, please know that mold exposure is real. I'm not saying you have it, but I am just saying that mold exposure is real. There are some points in time where people do actually have a health decline after they move residences because their residence has mold in it. The residence could look beautiful. It could be brand new. The problem with homes that are built in the United States is that a lot of it is wood, right? Wood framing. And that wood framing sits and sits and sits until the exterior of the building is built. Mold can grow on wood framing. It can grow in the walls and you may not see it. So I will just say this and end with this. Mold exposure is real. If you are not feeling well after a move or your health is decreasing, 
please look for a doctor that will either test for Lyme disease, parasites, or mold exposure, because a lot of the times those are root causes and cause extra symptoms in the body that may not show up on lab work. And maybe the reason you are feeling the way you are feeling and not getting the answers that you need. Do you go about healing mold, Lyme, and parasites similarly, or are those different? Yep. So if someone were to ever to come to me and say, I was diagnosed with mold, Lyme, or parasites, where would I go about healing first? What do I heal first? You may find different answers depending on who you're talking to. I will tell you this. I always start with opening up your drainage pathways because your drainage pathways are very important. You have to be pooping. You have to be peeing frequently. You have to be able to sweat. Okay. Those are very important drainage pathways, but after that is open and that's done, I always start with parasites because parasites can harbor mold. Parasites can harbor Lyme. Parasites can harbor, harbor all disgusting types of bacteria. So you may have a Lyme diagnosis and you may have a mold diagnosis. You may not be living in mold. You may not have really experienced a ton of mold exposure in your life, but you can actually come across a parasite that had that in their body when they entered you. And now your body is mimicking that you've had mold exposure, that you've had Lyme disease. So I always start with parasites and then I move on to mold. Okay. Awesome to know. That's great. And then for folks listening, if you want to learn more or pick Sarah's brain or work with her, feel free again to reach out to her via TikTok. Again, her TikTok is at gluten-free Sarah with an H at the end of Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us today. Jamie, always lovely seeing you. How cool is it that three strangers met on the internet and like have this awesome connection? Like that's so cool. That is what I love about social media. You know, I do think sometimes social media does and can get a bad rap that, you know, there's a lot of judging going on. There's a lot of hating going on, but I do believe in the good. And I believe that social media has brought me really good friends, really good connections, and honestly, really good information that allowed me and started me on this healing journey with root cause healing and functional healing. So I do think social media really has a positive impact in our lives. And I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you for having me. This was an honor. And I'm so happy I got to share my story and also hear both of your sides of your story as well. Olipop cheers. Olipop cheers. cheers. Thanks, Olipop. I don't I drink all mine, but okay, we got to drop. <laughs> cheers. <laughs>